When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Catherine Eagle, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seeing more issues with dog joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research... She feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health. Their food. What she's discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true even for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. Listener, I've watched this video, and honestly, it's 20 minutes well spent. The health of my animals means everything to me. This stuff has improved the coats and energy of mine, and they love it. Normally they are picky with food, but they really enjoy this stuff. Go to badlandsfood.com slash obscura and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D dot com slash obscura. Listener, what you're about to hear is part one of a three-part series. For some time, I was told that Black Label had gotten a bit too extreme lately, so I decided to throw some softballs this month. Stuff more on the 6 out of 10 intensity scale. The next two parts will release soon after. So you won't have to wait long. Most of the work is already finished. Now when these episodes finish, I'm going to drop one bitch nine pups. That one is a 10 out of 10 on the extreme scale and obviously involves animals. Hopefully this release schedule pleases everyone. But if you can't handle the animal-related cases, then don't worry. I will add a disclaimer at the front of that one when it does drop. But for now, let's get into today's episode. Malice is hatred. Malice is ill will. It's defined as a a heart devoid of social duty. Somebody who is fatally bent on mischief. Also described as being wicked or depraved heart. The evidence of malice in this case is overwhelming. Over 100 stab wounds. Virtually every drop of blood spilled from her body and left in the woods to rot. 
it doesn't get more malicious than that. As we live our lives, we have a broad belief that those around us are decent, kind, and humane human beings. We take for granted that people we encounter every day are like us. The reality is far bleaker and far crueler. The spectrum in which the human psyche lies is wide and it is vast. As humans, we inevitably vary in our positions. We slide up or down that scale to a degree, but overall, we don't stray too far from our central point. Not everybody is like that. That is not the status quo for some. This story is about the explosive and devastating collision of two worlds. One brilliant, bubbly, and filled with light. The other dark and ominous with a heavy shadow. There was an unfair advantage in this collision, an unbalanced division of power and control. This rendered one party entirely powerless to win the fight. In March 2019, under the cover of darkness, a predator silently hunted the streets of Five Points in Columbia, South Carolina. An animalistic, repetitive prowler searching for a victim. When they did pounce, they caged in their prey, leaving no means of escape. The innocence of a well-loved, ambitious college student, with everything to live for, was ripped away during that assault. Brutalized in a frenzied, violent, and cold-blooded attack. She fought hard for her life that night, but when his eyes locked onto her as prey, she had no chance of survival. Thursday, March 28, 2019, 21-year-old Samantha Josephson had the world at her feet. She was a senior at the University of South Carolina in Columbia. About to graduate from her political science course, she had won a full scholarship at Drexel University in Philadelphia to study law. Samantha Josephson wanted to be an international lawyer. She wanted to help people. Originally from Robbinsville in New Jersey, she had come to Columbia with dreams and ambitions. Bright and charismatic, she made friends easily. Known as Sammy, she lived in The Hub, a block of shared apartments for university students located at Main Street, less than a mile from the university's main campus. Thursday nights were Friday nights for many college kids. No one took Friday classes, and that meant they could go out with friends and have a three-day weekend. It was the norm at most universities. The place to go on those weekends, especially for students, was The Five Points. A sprawling assortment of retailers, outdoor spaces, bars, and restaurants, all catering to the five residential areas that surrounded it. Many of the bars were tailored to college students. The Bird Dog Bar was one of them. It sat on Hardin Street, the main street running through Five Points, and it was a popular choice. A good atmosphere and cheap drinks kept it busy every weekend. Samantha had been dating Greg Corbishley for two years. They met when Greg was also a student at the university. Friends at first. It soon became clear how they felt for each other, and their relationship became more serious. Greg graduated the year before in 2018, and had moved to Mount Pleasant in Charleston where members of his family lived. It was a two-hour drive to Columbia, 
but Greg took the journey often to see Sammy. The pair were in contact constantly through messages and phone calls. They were excitedly planning a move to Philadelphia that summer once Sammy graduated, ready for her to start law school in the fall. Greg was going to move with her and stay nearby to support her during her studies which they knew would be hard work and intense. On that Thursday night, Greg was in Mount Pleasant with plans for Sammy to visit him in Charleston that weekend. Samantha had recently heard some worrying news about a family member back in New Jersey. She'd spoken to Greg about it earlier that day, and she was feeling uneasy. Sammy wanted Greg to drive up to Columbia that night to be with her. It was a request she often made, and one Greg almost always fulfilled, but that night he didn't. He decided to wait and see her at the weekend. Uh, Samantha was in Columbia, South Carolina, at her apartment. I was in contact with her throughout the entire day. FaceTime, text messages, calls, um, basically asking me to come up to Columbia that night to uh, visit her. Her roommates and her friends, her extended friend group that didn't live with her, I think, you know, they had plans to go to the Five Points area. They had had a couple drinks. I'm not sure how many. Um, I told her to, to go out with her friends, that she had just worked so hard, got into law school. You know, she deserved to have a night to celebrate that and have fun with her friends. I just told her to go out and have fun that night. I'd done that two-hour drive quite a bit. I always went to Columbia. We'd never, I never had her come to Charleston, and um, she was supposed to come down, so I figured I'd see her in two days, just wait till then. I think I got a couple FaceTimes, a couple text messages, just the same thing, saying I really want you to come up to Columbia. Um, I really need you to be with me tonight. Um, I guess she was still thinking about the, the stuff that she had confided, confided in me about. Um, and just wanted me to be around to make her feel a little bit better. Um, I believe at that point they were leaving the hub to go to their friend Edgar's house, which is about two minutes um, outside of the Five Points area. It was mostly just telling me just kind of out there things just about the bar, if she saw anyone that, that I knew, um, just casual conversation, and then mixed in with, you know, I really want you to still come up to Columbia. Um, and drive up. The bird dog was busy with students hustling in at different times. Sammy's group arrived together and as the night progressed, they met different friends and people they knew and gradually drifted apart. A normal night out in a friendly busy bar full of students. As the time approached 2 a.m., Sammy began to make her way out of the bar. She had a shift at her part-time job as a waitress at the Liberty Tap Room and Grill, a few streets away from the bird dog at 11 a.m. the next morning. Sammy ordered an Uber ride from her cell phone using the Uber app. Once outside the bar, she moved through the crowd of students who stood around the door smoking and chatting and walked a few meters further up the road. Next door to the bird dog is the clothes store, called Natural Vibrations. As students and couples and groups walked past her, she stood at the curbside out the way of the sidewalk and next to several parking spaces. It was a usual pickup point for a ride home. At that point, she was leaving the bar. Um, she told me she had called an Uber, and she was waiting on that to go back home um, to the hub. Now, Ubers are pretty frequent. Um, there's not really another avenue of transportation, and the hub is so far away that no one wants to make that walk. We got off the phone. Um, I, Me and her had our locations um, shared with each other through the Find My Friends app. It'll, it'll pinpoint where whoever it is that shares their location, where they are, and it'll give you a constant update by the second about where their, where their location is. Um, and like I said, it, it's pretty frequently updated, so if you're in a car, it'll, it'll track it you know, as you're moving. Um, 
and I tracked it just to make sure she got home safe, as I always did. It wasn't just Samantha and Greg who had their locations shared on Find My Friends. Samantha's group of friends and her roommates all had the app on their cell phones. Greg had lived in the hub himself while at the university, so he knew the route from Five Points back there. It was 2.06 a.m. when Greg came off the phone to Sammy. The hub is just under two miles away from the Bird Dog Bar. At that time of night, with traffic light, it's a drive that should have taken about five minutes. When he opened the app a few minutes later, he was left confused. The tracking dot tracing the location of Sammy's cell phone on the map was moving, indicating she was traveling, but it was moving in the wrong direction. Yeah, the complete opposite direction of where you would go if you were going towards the hub. I called her, um, first texted her. Um, at first, I really didn't think anything of it. Um, I thought maybe they're going back to Edgar's um, or someone's house after. Um, but there was no response um, and no answer to the call. Um, didn't It rang, went straight, then went to voicemail, tried texting. Um, both of us had read receipts on. It just said delivered, um, and I never got the read receipt back. And then I think around, I think I tried contacting her by Snapchat um, as well, um, and no answer there. Um, I believe her location stopped. It stopped getting shared with me, which was which had never happened before in our relationship. About 2:30, 2:40 a.m. And I, I really didn't know what to think. I thought maybe. She left her phone in an Uber and the Uber went home. I called her roommates to ask, you know, do you know if she's home? Are you guys home? I, I think I had some texts with them around 3 or 3.30. I, I don't really remember the time. Um, but I had told them that, uh, I had told them the situation and I think they came to the same conclusion or, or assumption that I did that maybe she dropped her phone or something like that. But. I, I didn't really know what to think at this point. I just kept trying to call her and call her just to, just to see if uh, she would answer. Greg was still in Mount Pleasant, 118 miles away from Columbia. Now, in the early hours of Friday, there was little he could do. He did what we all do when we're worried. We find a reasonable explanation. We settle on a scenario that would fit and make sense. A scenario that would make the outcome okay. Still telling himself she must have been home but left her phone in the Uber, Greg fell into an edgy sleep around 5 a.m. As Greg drifted into sleep, 125 miles away at Mountain Brook in Columbia, 24-year-old single mother Maria Howard was just getting up for work. Mountain Brook is a long, sweeping road with homes of various sizes on both sides, green trees, and a calm atmosphere. Towards the very end of that road sits a set of two-story duplexes. A unit had been rented by Maria just weeks earlier. She was still settling in and getting used to her new home. Maria worked at McDonald's at Garner's Ferry Road, almost five miles away from her new apartment. She had a 7 a.m. morning shift on that Friday, and her boyfriend was due to give her a lift. Maria had met 24-year-old Nathaniel Rowland years earlier when she used to go out regularly with friends on weekends home from college. They had met in a bar in the Five Points area and got talking. After dating for a while, they lost contact until Nathaniel had shown up at the McDonald's drive-thru earlier that month. They'd quickly started to spend time with each other again, and their relationship was rekindled. Maria didn't have her own vehicle, 
and so Nathaniel generally took her to work and picked her up. The night before, they had sat up watching television until Maria went to bed sometime before 2 a.m. Nathaniel was staying over that night, downstairs on the couch. When she went up to bed, that's where she expected to find him when she got up in the morning. I have to be to work around 7, so I wake up around 5.30, 6 o'clock. I don't like staying by myself. And had he made you any promises about staying? Mm-hmm. Yes, what, did he, what did he tell you? That he would be there when I wake up, but he wasn't. I called his phone and I texted him. I was upset because I knew I had to go to work and I don't like being late for work. I called my mom and by the time I got off the phone with my mom, he was pulling in the driveway. I looked out the window and I seen his car out there. Does he give you your shirt? Yes, ma'am. Oh, you said that. And so what do you do at that point? I asked him for my work hat. It's a, like a, a sun visor with an M on it for McDonald's. And where had you left that visor? In the back window. Of what? His car. Of what Next kind of car? car? His Impala. Okay. And when had you left it there? The day before when he picked me up. And where did you leave it? In the back window. Did you ask him about that? Yes, ma'am. And what did he tell you? That it was in the country. And what'd you say to that? Why would it be in the country? And what'd he tell you? It had blood in it. I'm gonna need you to repeat that. It had blood on it. He told you that the visor had blood on it? Yes, ma'am. Did you ask him, what'd you ask him? Why would that have blood on it? And what'd he tell you? You tell me. Mind my business. Mind your business. Did you ask him again? Yes. And what'd he tell you? Mind my business. And do you, does he take you to work? We went to the convenience store because he had to get gas on Leesburg. Okay. And what, if anything, did you notice about the car at that point? That it was like dry blood in the car. Where in the car? On the dashboard and beside the seats. When you say the dashboard, what are you talking about? The, where the airbags are. Like the console? Yes, the console? Okay. And where else did you see blood? In the back seat. In the back seat. Was anything else in the back seat? It was a sheet over the, over the back seat and the back of the driver's seat. And how do you mean there was a sheet? It was kind of like covering, but it wasn't all the way covering the seat. Okay, was it like draped on the seat so you could see the outline of the seat or was it above the seat or tell it describe Just like that? through over the seat where you can't see. Okay. Could you see anything in the back seat besides the sheet? Blood. Where did you see blood then? On the seat. On the seat, mm-hmm. okay. Not, not the part that was covered or was it under the, could you see through the sheet? Like the part of the seat that wasn't covered, you could see blood. Did you, what did you do when you saw the blood? I asked him, why is it blood in, this, in the car? Did you hit a dog? And what did he say? Mama business. Did he tell you he hadn't had his car all day? No. Tell you, did he tell you where he'd been other than being in the country? No. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we navigate the complex narratives of true crime, it's clear that life's stressors both big and small, can accumulate, affecting our daily lives and mental health. It's important to have a space to voice these concerns, to unravel the personal mysteries we carry within us. Therapy offers a safe space to do just that. It's not only for moments of crisis, but for anyone aiming to foster better coping skills, set healthy boundaries, and ultimately, thrive. BetterHelp facilitates this by providing online therapy, that's tailored to your schedule. 
making it both convenient and flexible. With BetterHelp, starting therapy is straightforward. Fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. If you find your needs aren't being met, you can switch therapist at any time without any additional charges, ensuring you find the right fit for your journey. If you've been considering therapy or curious about how it can help, give BetterHelp a try. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Obscura today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Obscura. Take a moment to support your mental health. By the time Nathaniel was driving her to work, Maria was already late. She arrived around 7.45 a.m. Her focus was on getting to work, and she didn't put much thought into what was going on with his vehicle. She did notice he looked tired. She left him her house keys so that he could let himself into her apartment and sleep while she was at work. He was supposed to come and pick her up again once she had finished her shift. Greg woke up in Mount Pleasant about 11 a.m. that morning to his phone ringing. It was Sammy's housemate telling him she still wasn't home. Her bedroom door stood open, her work shoes on the floor. They knew she had a shift that morning at the Liberty Tap Bar. They'd called to see if she was there, but she hadn't shown up. Sammy wouldn't just fail to come home, to not show up for work and not be in contact with anyone. There was something very wrong. Greg got in his vehicle and began the two-hour drive to Columbia to search for his girlfriend. At the hub in apartment 901, where Samantha lived with roommates, thoughts were turning to contacting the Columbia Police Department to report Sammy missing. The housemates were worried 24 hours were needed before they could file a missing person report. They decided to make the call anyway. With each hour that ticked by, fear and concern were rising as to where Samantha was and why she had not come home. March 29, 2019. 911, what's your emergency? Hi, um, we were just gonna call to let you know our friend is missing. I see you want to make a, a missing person report. Yeah, it hasn't been like 24 hours or anything, but if we could go ahead and do that, like, that'd be really nice. Yeah, it don't have to be 24 hours if we report anybody missing. Oh, I don't know why I thought that. Oh, no. Um, what's that? Where are you located? Um, 1426 Main Street. Is he missing from his address? We went out in Five Points last night, and she still hasn't made it home. Her phone's dead. Um, we don't think she, like, went home with, like, a guy or anything. Like, we're, like, actually, like, worried. So, she missed work this morning. All right. What, what is your apartment number? 901. And what is her name? Samantha Josephson. She goes by Sammy. Samantha, what's her last name? Josephson. J-O-S-E-P-H-S-O-N. And how old is she? 21. She white, black, Hispanic? She's white with really dark hair. She's Jewish. Do you know her, um, do you know her date of birth? Um, August 
Someday in August. August 13th. And what's the year? I guess 1997 would make her, yeah, 1997. Okay, but how tall do you think she is? Probably like 5'6", maybe close to 5'7". How much do you weigh? Um, probably like 145, 160. And you remember what she was wearing? She was wearing a bright orange shirt with black pants. So we had a bright orange shirt and black pants. Yes. And how was her hair? Um, it was straight. It was down at the time. It's about shoulder length, maybe a little longer. So her hair, like, is it to her neck, shoulder length? Um, wait, like the length? Yeah, you think it was her shoulder or past her shoulder? Um, a little past her shoulders, yeah. What color is her hair? Really dark, close to black. And y'all was the five points you said, last seen in five points? Yes. Okay, and what is your name? Uh, we got in, so we're gonna send off out there and see y'all come make that report, okay? Okay, thank you so much for the help. You're welcome, no problem. All right, bye-bye. When Sammy's phone had stopped tracking around 2.30 a.m. the night before, the location was Montgomery Avenue in the Rosewood District of Columbia. A wide, tree-lined street with well-kept houses on either side, Montgomery Avenue was two and a half miles away from the Bird Dog Bar. It was not a location known to Greg or any of Sammy's friends. There was no reason they knew that she would go there. Greg arrived at the hub not long after 1 p.m. as patrol officer Amanda Mosquitas with the Columbia Police Department was talking with Sammy's roommates. She asked to speak with Greg downstairs by her patrol vehicle so he could provide her with his details and last contact with Samantha. His normally chatty girlfriend who messaged him all the time, who he had video calls multiple times a day with, had become silent. His messages to her remained unread. His phone was quiet in the absence of her contacts. The silence was deafening. Officer Muscaitis compiled a description of Samantha and began to circulate the missing person's report to all officers. After she left the hub, Sammy's roommates turned their attention to her bedroom. They were desperate for anything that might tell them where she was. On her laptop and inside her email, they found a receipt from Uber. It confirmed that Sammy had ordered an Uber ride at 2 a.m. the night before, just as she told Greg. But that wasn't all the receipt said. The Uber ride she had ordered to take her home had been canceled. When the Uber had arrived to pick her up, Samantha was gone. Marcus Williams had been an Uber driver for four months when he got the call for a pickup outside Bird Dog on that night. Yeah, when you get a call, it'll come up with who you have to pick up and where they had, what the destination you have to go to. They go to the Uber app, and once they go, go on the app, it shows them the car, the person, your ratings, and all that. The comments from other people saying, like, your car was clean, very good driver, some stuff like that. I was driving a 2011 Dodge Charger, charcoal gray. I worked at Five Points area with the college kids. Okay. And um, I was already on a call, and I got the call to go pick 
uh, young girl, young lady up. Every time I receive a call, I always call the client to let them know I'm on the way or I'm outside or something like that. But when I received the call, I had towards hard and divine, I think. And um, I called her while I was on the way there, but she never answered the phone, so I circled around the block. So I rolled around for a minute. I called her again. Nobody answered the phone. And then once you get to your destination, after so many minutes, it'll come up as counsel, your ride, your rider didn't show up. The client has like, I think five, or I, I don't know exactly how many minutes to get in the car. And now um, once that time limit goes, they, uh, the counsel thing will come up and says, your ride ain't show up, counsel your ride. Right. Yeah. And so when I was riding, mm-hmm. I waited, the counsel thing showed up. I, I think I served like two or three times, okay. but I never, I never got in contact with her, never saw her. So he said, counsel your ride. Mm-hmm. And I just hit counsel. Greg and Sammy's friends went back to Five Points to ask the businesses along Harden Street to view their surveillance footage. Panic was becoming more prominent. Waves of nausea mixed with tense apprehension were the emotions flooding in. The manager at the Bird Dog Bar wound back their CCTV tape to just before 2 a.m. the night before. As the small group huddled together to watch the footage, silence filled the room. The camera captured the sidewalk in front of the Bird Dog and the diagonal parking bays behind. As the clock clicked over to 2.09 a.m., a black vehicle pulled into the last spot in the top corner of the video. Samantha then appeared on screen as she went to the rear door of the vehicle, pulled it open, and climbed in. As she shut the door behind her, the Chevrolet Impala slowly reversed back out onto the road, corrected the wheel direction, and drove away. Samantha Josephson had willingly gotten into a vehicle that night, She had ordered an Uber ride to take her home, when a dark-colored vehicle, like she was expecting from the app, pulled in beside her, she jumped in. Samantha had gotten in because she thought it was her Uber ride, but the driver wasn't an Uber driver. He wasn't there to drive her home. Samantha, at that point, had no idea. Her cell phone through the Find My Friends app had tracked to Montgomery Avenue before it suddenly stopped. From there, no one knew where Sammy was or what had happened to her. We went to the Montgomery Avenue um, point. Um, we started knocking on doors, asking if anyone had seen anything suspicious, um, heard anything. Um, we looked around. We looked like on the grass and for for her phone, any any trace of that she had been there. Um, we didn't find anything. Um, after that, after we found out that there was a black Chevy Impala, you know, we started searching for any black Chevy Impala we could see in the Five Points area. We came across one, um, tried to, or we alerted officers to it. They, we looked at it and there was, there was nothing in there. We looked in the window, there was nothing. Um, then I got a call or then I, I met up with another one of my friends and we went back to the Montgomery area where her phone was last checked. Um, we just kept knocking on doors, looking for any inkling cause it was really the only thing we had to go off of. And, and also further looking for a black Chevy Impala, possibly in that area parked in her driveway. Just under 65 miles away from the hub accommodation, where Samantha and her roommates lived, lies a small rural community in Clarendon County called New Zion. There are more fields and farm tracks than houses. Its quiet and country location meant it didn't see many visitors from out of the area. The people who live there all knew each other. The ample land that surrounds New Zion is the perfect landscape for hunting. 
Wide open fields, brush, and woodland with only a few dirt tracks zigzagging between them, it was ideal animal hunting territory. On Friday, March 29, 2019, Anders Sullivan Lee and his friend Ryan Knowlton came to New Zion to hunt turkeys on Ryan's family's land, something they'd done many times before. What they found that afternoon was a chance encounter, but one that will stay with them for the rest of their lives. We were, uh, at the time, I think that morning we started out in Turbyville and then we ended up that afternoon in New Zion. I mean, we deer hunt, we bird hunt, turkey hunt there, just somewhere, somewhere easy for us to access. We spent, uh, we started late that morning and we stayed till probably lunch or a little bit after. Uh, it was, I want to say probably 1.30, 2 o'clock. We checked some other places. So we turned off Black Bottom Road and went down that, uh, I guess it's like a little farm road. Kind of goes back in there, there's some fields and uh, it's kind of more like a lane. Kind of like farmers use it and people hunt. You can kind of see there's a, uh, it's hard to see on there, there's a fire break road. Just when they burn the, uh, the woods, they take a bulldozer and kind of plow a path to keep the, uh, the fire from getting out of control and getting onto other properties. And I took a pair of binoculars and I walked down it and scanned the field, the field you see when you're zoomed out at the end of it, just to see if there's any turkeys. While I was walking down, I didn't observe anything. It was on my way back. So when, I guess I was just looking through the woods and something caught my eye to the left. And uh, so I took a couple steps to get a better viewpoint because there were trees and stuff. And uh, it's wooded, it's kind of, uh, it's not very thick woods, but there's a bunch of smaller trees in there. And there was like an uprooted tree nearby. So I was kind of trying to get a very better vantage point. And uh, I saw something, I wasn't sure what it was. So I stopped and I kept looking. And then uh, I guess the more I looked at it, the more it started looking like a body. And that's when I called Ryan down there and he walked down the fire break to me. And uh, he was like, you know, we were kind of both in disbelief. Uh, that's when uh, we decided we needed to call somebody. And then uh, I guess we didn't expect to see something like that, you know, turkey hunting especially, you know, out in the middle of nowhere like that. I mean, it's not somewhere you just end up there. I mean, there's just farmland and woods. No, uh, there's really nothing in New Zion or, I mean, no reason you would just end up there. A few miles up the road, Hendley Morris had just returned home. He worked for the Department of Natural Resources, and he knew the land around his home better than anyone. He got a call from Ryan's father telling him the boys had found something and didn't know what to do. He immediately got back in his truck and drove down to where Anders and Ryan said they were. He was at their side within 10 minutes of them raising the alarm. Hendley Morris moved in closer than Anders and Ryan had dared to go. He needed to confirm that what they were looking at was a human body. Covered in blood, sandals no longer on her feet but still attached at her ankles, lay the body of a young woman. He called the Clarendon County Sheriff's Office to report what they'd found. Sheriff's investigator Thomas Huckabee was the first to respond to the scene. The information that came to him was a female body had been found in bushes and woodland just off a farmer's access road that connected to Black Bottom Road in New Zion. As he made his way towards the body, he noted immediately that the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division 
known as Sled, needed to be called in. The female body was lying on her back about 40 feet into the short undergrowth. She was clothed, but not neatly. Her top was pulled up. Her shoes were no longer on correctly. She was covered in blood. There was no evidence of a struggle, no blood on the ground, or any suggestion she had died in this location. Multiple wounds and injuries were visible beneath the blood that covered her body. This young lady had died a violent death, and her body had been dumped in this location. Clarendon County has a population of almost 34,000 people. Its sheriff's office has 72 deputies covering the wide landscape of the county. Murder was not a common occurrence for this police department. As a result, their deputies don't have the experience or the resources for high-level crime scene analysis. In what was clearly a homicide, SLED would step in to provide that support and take the lead on the investigation. Investigator Huckabee informed his captain of what he had found. As SLED began to arrive to process the scene, the investigator started the process of searching for the identity of the body. Very quickly, he was sent a bolo from the Columbia Police Department. The be on the lookout for contained the description details of Samantha Josephson that had been collected just hours earlier. There was no doubt in his mind. The body he was looking at, lying bloody in the undergrowth, was the body of Samantha Josephson. Later that night, Columbia police detectives gathered Samantha's family, her boyfriend Greg and her friends at the police station. Her parents, Marcy and Seymour Josephson, had traveled in from New Jersey, desperate to find their youngest daughter. Um, after that, um, her parents had driven down. I was uh, in contact them to meet them at the police station. Um, the investigator uh, told me to come to the police station as well. Um, they took me back down to, I guess, what the waiting room is or the main entrance room. Um, I was surprised to see her roommates there. I was unaware that they were there. Um, well, they, we waited for about 10, 15 minutes, uh, and then they led us into what I would call a conference room, and there were uh, Mr. and Mrs. Josephson sitting there um, looking distraught. I first thing that went through my head was I hope their look is just because they haven't found her yet as they hadn't told me what had actually happened yet. Um, they broke the news to us right there. Um, and just after that, you know, I just broke down, felt my legs collapse from under me and, you know, just kind of black, you know, you almost black out with just with disbelief. The disappearance of Samantha Josephson was now a murder investigation spanning both Columbia and Clarendon County. The only lead investigators had to work with was the black Chevy Impala. Sammy was captured getting into the bird dog bar when she went missing. Almost exactly 24 hours after Sammy got into that Impala, Jeffrey Kraft, a canine patrol officer with Columbia PD, was driving around the Rosewood Drive and Five Points area as part of his patrol. He spotted a black Chevy Impala driving along Hardin Street and watched as the vehicle made a left into Blossom Street. This was just 800 yards from the bird dog. The officer threw on his blue lights to pull the vehicle over. The Impala turned left into Saluda Avenue but used the wrong side of the road. The vehicle was now traveling in the wrong direction on this one-way system. Traffic was light in those early hours and the driver did then pull over to the side of the road and roll to a stop. As Officer Kraft approached the vehicle, the driver wound down his window. He was a young black male, wearing a Nike hoodie with the hood up. 
a black and white bandana with dollar bill design sitting underneath low on his forehead. The driver's seat was reclined at a sharp angle, considerably further back than most people have their seats when they drive. A bewildered-looking young lady was sitting in the front passenger seat. What's going on, sir? You got your license? You got your license on you? I'm also crowded. Call me a police warrant, K9. Oh, no, I got license on you. No, I got license on you. Why not? All right, man. Who's smoking the marijuana? I had smoked some earlier, sir, when I was at home. All right, man. You got to step on out, man. All right. Good, sir. All right, here's the deal, man. I pulled your car over because it matches the suspect. Get your hand in your pocket. What are you, crazy? Get over here. Hey, get over here. Go on, run. Hey, I'm going to release the dog. I can't. I was just going to see if you'll stop. Bravo, Mike, wearing a gray sweatpants, gray sweatshirt. Doors blocks a 500 block. Nunez, keep going. He's going to be on your left. Sir, back around. You can support a law. You either right to talk to a lawyer and have him or her present with you while you're being questioned. If you cannot afford to hire a lawyer, one three seven six three seven four. Correction: three seven six three eight five and three nine three. You're good. You're good. Sir, what? Just put my All right. You right to talk to a lawyer and have him or her present with you while you're being questioned. If you cannot afford to hire a lawyer, one will be appointed to you represent you before any questioning. If you wish, you can decide at any time to exercise these rights and not answer any questions or make any statements. Do you understand each of these rights I explained to you? It's a yes, no answer. Yeah, I know. You're tired after running. I get it. Do you understand each of these rights I've explained to you? Yes or no? We need an answer from you, man. The individual that officers had in front of them was 24-year-old Nathaniel Rowland. Running from the police is an arrestable offense, and Rowland found himself in handcuffs. Sitting on the curbside, he refused to acknowledge the rights read to him. Instead, he claimed he couldn't breathe properly. Officers called EMS and waited while Rowland was fully checked over by paramedics. There was nothing wrong with him. He needed no medical attention. Officers placed him into the back of their police cruiser and took him to the Alvin S. Glenn Detention Center in nearby Richmond County to be booked in. Roland's vehicle was still parked a block away on Saluda Avenue. His driver's door was sitting wide open from when he had fled on foot. While he was arrested and taken in, officers began a basic search of the vehicle. They found a small quantity of marijuana in the driver's side door. 
In between the center console and the driver's seat was a cell phone with a rose gold cover and a set of keys with a pink keychain. As they looked around the vehicle, they noticed a dried liquid covering the back seats. It was all over the fabric of the back seats. It was in the footwells, and it was on the roof. Now 3 a.m., it was pitch black outside. The rear passenger window behind the driver's seat was down a few inches. Under the beam of their touch lights, they could see sets of imprints scattered across in the inside of the window. As officers moved around to the rear of the vehicle, they were feeling tense. When the trunk opened, they saw items scattered around the trunk space. Items of clothing and footwear, retailer bags and rubbish lay haphazard and awkward. Clear patches of bright red staining visible on multiple items. Officers backed away from the vehicle and called in for backup. Time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.